Good morning, Porch Community. It's good to see you today. Thank you for tuning in with us. A very special welcome if this is your first time uh, watching and being a part of the Porch Community Church. My name is Shannon, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here and, and getting to, to be part of this amazing ministry in our community. Uh, before I get into the message today, which is part of our Streaming at the Movie series, um, and I guess just so you know, I won't be talking in my message so much about the movie. If you watched it, that's okay. It's a good movie. Um, but I'm going to be talking about something that has come out of that. I'll get into that in a minute. So I, but I want to say that because, like, maybe you've tuned in and you're thinking, okay, I heard the worship, but I didn't watch this movie. I'm not really into these comic superhero type things. But I would encourage you just to hang with us because... I, I feel like the Lord has given me something very important to share with you about what's going on in our world today. Um, but before I get into that, um, we've had a lot of people asking, when are we starting back to church? When, are, when is it going to happen? As, as many churches in our community have already started uh, and reopened and, and are, are together, in our South Georgia conference of, of our church that we, the, that we belong to, the larger group, the United Methodist Church, it was determined that we wouldn't go back to worship until June 21st. And so we are adhering to that um, and still following best practices and social distancing and all those things. Um, and even though that date, June 21st, is when we could start, being one of the ten largest churches in our conference made the prospect of gathering together uh, a little more difficult trying to, you know, be with social guidelines and, and social distancing guidelines and all those things. And so what we did as a ministry board is we met, we've, we've been talking a lot, we met last week, and uh, we sent out a survey this week, and a special thank you to those of you who responded. We had a survey open for a little more than 48 hours we wanted to hear from you, hear your concerns, hear what was on your heart, kind of get a feel for where you were. And, and uh, in response to that survey, it represents 542 of you that are part of our church. So we feel like we have a pretty good uh, finger on the pulse of, of, what's, of how our community feels about where we are. And I won't bore you with all the results, but they were overwhelmingly, most of you are ready to return. Um, you all understand mostly that uh, we won't be offering uh, nursery and porch kids for, uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, many of you are concerned about health and safety and social distancing. And you're even open to reserving seats for several Sundays as we restart in order for us to know who's coming and for us to prepare for that. And so with that information... Um, and knowing that we can only accommodate about 150 people in here with social distancing, what we're going to do is on June 28th, so two weeks from today, we are going to have an outdoor service. And um, it's going to be really cool and breezy that day. Um, I'm, just, I'm just saying it because then maybe it'll, you know speak it and and anyway we're gonna have an outdoor service that day and what we're gonna do is um how we set up that day outside is the front section 
will be open for you to bring bag chairs and blankets and and you can be out of your vehicles you can be present you can be there you know you can do the social distancing and in the back section is going to be uh, where cars can park and people can remain in their cars if they want to so we'll have it so that if you don't feel comfortable yet getting out of the getting out and being around a whole bunch of people then you have that option um, and so we're going to work it that way. That's June 28th. And what we felt was we knew the first Sunday we said, hey, let's all come back, that it was going to be really difficult and that a lot of people were not going to be able to get in the doors. That's just a reality because so many of you are ready to return. And I get that. I mean, I understand that. And so we felt let's do the 28th outside and have kind of a celebration about it. And then July 5th, is when we move indoors. July 5th is when we come in, and we're going to have two services, and we've shifted our early service time to 9 o'clock, so we're going to have a 9 o'clock and an 11 o'clock service because what that does is it gives us a cushion in between the two services to sanitize and make sure and reset for the next service. So after the first service, we've got a cleaning team. It's made up of some great people who have already done a wonderful job getting us ready. Um, things will be a little different as you come into worship. You're going to hear a lot more about that. But June 28th, outdoor service, you can get out of your vehicle. You can sit in your back chairs, you know, come and hang out, be there. Or you can stay in your car, and we'll have directions for all that. And then July 5th, we're going to move back indoors. We know that that's a holiday weekend, so we know that that will naturally lend itself for us to not have to worry as much about crowds as we might normally do. Um, and then we'll keep going from there. We might have to readdress some things, change some things. Um, it's kind of fluid. Um, but we're going to always do what we think is the, the safest and the best thing for our community. And so those are the plans as we move um, forward. We're going to have an online system that will allow people to go in and, and say, hey, we're coming and reserve those seats. We're still working out the details. You'll hear much more about that. We hope that that will just be a, a, a couple of Sundays thing. We don't know. Um, we'll see how that works and how we're able to make that happen. Um, and so I would ask two things of you. Um, please be gracious and understand as we are making these changes and trying to do what's best for the health and safety of our congregation. Please be gracious because there might be a Sunday when you go online to say, hey, I want to make sure me and my family can come, and it's full. And, and I know that that's not the ideal, and that we certainly don't want to be turning people away, but we hope that you would join us online and participate and be part of it. And so we're going we're gonna to move forward and, and see how we can do this in the best way possible. So, just to sum all that up, good news, we have a plan for reopening. And um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see people. Uh, we've been working with our volunteer teams, our usher teams, our greeters team, our cleaning team. And uh, they are a, a part of this and are seeing what's going on so that we will know best how to serve you when you return to worship again. So, um, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. This was a movie that came out. I didn't like run and see it. 
Uh, my husband saw it, said it was great. He saw it a second time, said, hey, it's really good. You should watch it. And I finally did, and, and I really did enjoy it. The animation is great. The, the content's great. I love how they, how they did it. I love the, just how they, they put it all together. Um, you might guess it's a Spider-Man movie if you didn't already figure that part out. Um, and in it, there's this character named Miles Morales. He's a teenager. He's finding it's hard to fit in at school. He sneaks out one night. Guess what happens? He gets bit by a radioactive spider. You know, you've heard this story before. And he gets these spider powers. He becomes this, this, this spider guy, Spider-Man. And doing that, what he finds is that there's other people like him. He finds out there's other Spideys. He finds out that there's other spider characters. And, and, he, and, and in this movie, there's this, you know, he learns his abilities, and ultimately they fight the main antagonist in the movie and, and all that. It, it really is a fantastic movie. But, and I remember I've, I've done this a couple of times as we've talked about movies in different series. I find it interesting, and I always like to go back and look at, like, what was the backstory to the movie, if it was based on real life, like, what happened, how did that go on? And I was reading up on... This and there's a whole other like the comic book like side of it and then the movie side of it. So it's all these different worlds. I'm sure you know if you're a comic geek, then you're probably like Shannon. You're so wrong. You've said eight things wrong already. But I'm following the movie part, and um, there's this whole world in there. And I was reading behind it, and this is what I want to share with you today. Because see, originally when I was thinking about this movie, what I saw in it was some great stuff in there about teamwork you know, about the body of Christ, about all these different spider characters. Um, there's even one called Peter Porker, like he's a pig, and he's, but he's a spider pig. I mean, so like there's all these different spider characters from all these different universes that come together, and I wanted, I thought, oh, that's a great, I love that, like, that, you know, and then I saw how together they were more powerful than they were apart, and I just saw these great themes that, that I could address. Um, But I really could not stand before you on June 14th, 2020, as your pastor, and not talk about what is going on in our world and what I see in Scripture and what I see Jesus telling his followers to do and how to respond. So in regard to the movie Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, I found something interesting about that movie that occurred in our real universe. See, in the comics and in the movie, this is a bit of a spoiler alert, but Peter Parker, the character Spider-Man, is killed by the Green Goblin. Some of you are going, what? But that, it'll be okay. It's just a comic. You may or may not be surprised to learn that some people were outraged that the original Spider-Man character was killed. Outraged, like this is what they have time to do in their spare time, to be outraged about a comic and a movie. But it wasn't just that the long-running character Peter Parker was killed. People were angry that the new character, Miles Morales, 
is African American and Latino. And he was taking over a role held for decades by Peter Parker, a white guy. Outraged. Did I mention this was a comic <laughs> and a movie? There was clear pushback about why this new character had to be African-American or had to be Latino or had to be uh, anything other than a Caucasian. And, and this is what I want to talk about. Why would there be such a negative emotional response to a fictional character? Why? Why in the world would there be a negative response to a fictional character? And the only thing that I could, the only answer that I could come up with, plain and simple, is what's inside each and every one of us, to some degree, I believe, our prejudices. And maybe for some of us, many of us, racism. And I don't know what it's like to have racism directed at me, like projected onto me. I am a white woman. I am partially Native American. I'm a member of the, the Choctaw tribe, card-carrying member. I also represent the Cherokee tribe. I'm Irish, I'm English, and I'm Polish. Put all those together, and my lineage lends itself to my, spig my skin pigment being Caucasian. And because of this, I've never had someone look suspiciously at me upon entering into a store. Because my, 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 I'm Caucasian woman, I've never had someone question why I was driving in a particular neighborhood at a particular time of day. I've never had someone lock their car doors when I walked by on the sidewalk. I've, I've never had someone cross to the other side of the street when they saw me coming. I've never been denied a job interview because my name on the application was too white. I've never been told to do my hair differently because it was too natural. I've never been expected to stop dressing or acting so white. I've never been told that I'm so articulate for a white person. And I've never walked into a room and had all eyes on me wondering if I was a physical threat. See, I can tell you theoretically what racism is, but I have never experienced it. Much like my husband can theoretically tell you about childbirth. But he has never experienced it. And folks, that's where I find myself. And, and I give you that example of my husband and childbirth because I think for some of us we go, it's really not that big of a deal. But when you stop and think about it, it is a big deal. 
Many of us condemn those awful examples that I just read. You think, oh my goodness, that's horrible. I don't want to do that. That's a start. But porch community, there are so many of us making everyday assumptions, everyday decisions, split-second reactions regarding those of another race, and we don't even recognize it. It doesn't even register in our brain. And friends, I do this. I do this. So please don't think, I've got it figured out, and I'm asking you to, to come alongside and be as awesome as I am, because I am doing this. And it's not okay. Listen, COVID is a nasty virus, and, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes are devastating natural disasters. Those kinds of enemies, though, they threaten humanity from the outside in. But the hatred found in racism and the ignorance that is found in our prejudices threatens from the inside. And what it does is it destroys all that we equally share as God's creations. And some of you might be really uncomfortable or irritated right now. I, initially, my notes, I just had uncomfortable. I thought, no, <laughs> irritated. But Shannon, you don't understand. But Shannon, here's my experience. But Shannon, maybe our uncomfortableness and maybe our irritation is an indicator that we should talk about this. Maybe you don't want me to talk about racism. Maybe you don't want, my, want me to talk about prejudice. You might be thinking, Shannon, I don't want you to talk about something so political. And my only response would be to anyone who thinks that is that racism is not political. Prejudice is not political. Do some people politicize racism? Do some people politicize prejudice? They surely do. But at the very core, racism and prejudice, how we view other people, how we respond to other people, how we think of other people, has nothing to do with politics, and it has everything to do with sin. And I believe that the church is called to be part of this solution. I believe as Jesus' followers... We need to lead the way in showing love, real love, pure love, love without condition to all people. And Jesus tells us a story that speaks exactly to this. And it's probably quite familiar to a lot of you. Some of you were taught it as a child. You've read it before. I'm sure we've talked about it in messages past. But I would ask you, like I've asked many times, for you to hear this scripture, to hear this passage, and think about what's going on in 2020. As I read to you from Luke chapter 10. Beginning in verse 25... Just then, a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Already, he's on the wrong foot. Who's going to test Jesus? He thinks he can. He wants to test Jesus. He says, teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? 
He answered, what's written in God's law? Jesus answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? Oh, no, I'm sorry, that was still the guy. And then in verse 27, he said that you, no, that's still Jesus. Sorry, guys. He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? So Jesus is pointing this man back to God's word, and he asks how he interprets it. And folks, that's really important because, see, if we don't check our prejudices and our racism, if we don't, if we don't even think we have it, or if we haven't even stopped to examine it, because it's not enough to just go, you know what, I'm not racist. No, you need, you need to do some introspection. I need to look inside of me and go, do I have prejudice? Do I have thoughts about other races where I think I am superior to them? Do I recognize that I have had um, privileges, I've had opportunities that were, they're not as easily acceptable or available to other people? We need, to, we need to ask ourselves these questions instead of just immediately shutting it down and saying, oh, I'm not racist, oh, I'm not prejudiced. That's not enough. And I would say this if we were talking about just plain old sin. Oh, I'm not a sinner. I prayed the prayer to Jesus. Oh, I'm not a sinner. I walked that aisle. Oh, I'm not a sinner. I got dumped. I'm not a sinner. Really? Because I just, I looked in the mirror just a little while ago, and you know what I saw? A sinner. We need to do this. So please, I pray, I've been praying this week that you would not shut this down because you don't want to hear it. Because when I don't want to hear something, it's usually because I need to hear it. And I pray that's at least where you're, you're, we're willing to, to start this journey. I pray you've already started this journey. So in this passage, it, it, Jesus says, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And he said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscles and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. And Jesus says, good answer. So see, this guy knew what was in Scripture. He knew the answer. Jesus says, good answer. Do it and you'll live. And then I love how this is written here in verse 29. It says... Looking for a loophole. The guy, the religion scholar. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor? Friends, how do you define neighbor? How are you defining neighbor? Essentially, what this guy, this religion scholar, is asking is, do I have to love those people? Do we have to love them if they have a different accent than we do? If they speak a different language than we do? Do I have to love people that weren't educated like I was educated? Do, do I have to love people that vote differently than I do? Do I have to love someone, Jesus, who has a different skin color than me? Is that my neighbor? Is that, is that what we're talking about? And what's interesting 
in this exchange that Jesus is having with this religion scholar. So he's not just some like guy off the street. I mean, this guy knows his stuff. What's interesting is Jesus doesn't answer that question, just who is my neighbor. He doesn't answer the question with, oh, well, here's your neighbor, and give him a list. No, you know what he does? He answers with how to love your neighbor. In verse 30, we find Jesus telling a story, a parable. And he says, There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, they went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest, right, a really religious person, was on his way down the same road. But when he saw this guy, when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. And then a Levite, religious man, even more religious the Levites were, he shows up and he avoids the injured man. See, because these guys were on their way to the temple, they were on their way to worship and they didn't want to be unclean. Verse 33, a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. You're like, okay, so a Levite, a Samaritan, a Jewish guy, what? Different races, people. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. See, he's loving his neighbor. And he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted it onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. And in the morning he took out two silver coins, which wasn't cheap, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. And Jesus asked this question, What do you think, in verse 36, which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? And the religion scholar, he, he, he only had one answer. And he said, the one who treated him kindly. And then Jesus said, go and do the same. See, Jesus didn't say, here's who you should be kind to. He said, here's how you should be kind. Here's how you should love. Here's how you care for those around you. And this Samaritan guy who would have been hated by this Jewish guy from another race, he did one simple act. He showed love to a man in need. And this, in so many ways, friends, is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ, loving God, loving others. Even if they're different from us, and some might argue especially if they're different from us. But this guy, he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. See, no matter the reason no matter our upbringing, no matter our experiences, no matter our culture, we have to recognize that racism is not about skin. It's about sin. And in James chapter 2, we find these words, and it says in verse 8, Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And this is, verse 9 floored me, friends. It, it convicted me deeply. It says, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. I'm talking about God's law to love others. And I think about that, and I, and I think about, oh, you know, I, I, I like you because you look like me, so let's hang out. You know, my kids can play with your kids because they, you know, we're educated in the same place. We, we look the same. We're kind of in the same economic sphere, you know. We live in the same neighborhood. We're alike. But see, there's other people that are different. And folks, any time that we act like that, any, no, I'm not even going to put it on you. Anytime I act like that, that is not a skin issue. That's a sin issue in my life. We have to call it what it is. It's not right before God, and it should not be right before us for us to have unchecked, unchecked prejudices in our life, unchecked racism towards others. And so that raises the question, the big question for me is, as Jesus followers then, how are we called to love our neighbors? What are we going to do about this? Which, which is everyone, right? I mean, if you look at the story that Jesus just said, he didn't give a list. He just said, you show kindness to those in need. You show kindness to those around you. Not, not you know, oh, only these people. He didn't say who to love. He said how to do it. So how do we do this? And I've already urged you to do this, but the first thing I would say, and I would encourage you to do this, please, is recognize your prejudices. Sit down and think about them. Should be a really fun afternoon, but sit down and think about the prejudices that you have in your heart. How did they get there? Were they taught to you? Is it like nine generations long of prejudice that you have? towards those people in Alabama? Say, right? We have it. Those Florida Gator fans? <laughs> I'm, I'm making light a little bit because I know this is heavy. But we need to recognize our prejudices. We need to look at them. And this is really hard to do because prejudices are so difficult to see because we often feel justified in how we might feel against someone because of experience. But even if our prejudice mindset isn't intentional, it's still real and it's still sinful. Oh, I didn't know. I'm asking you to find out. I didn't know I was doing that. You know why? Because you didn't examine Examine yourself. I had no idea that, that, that what I said or how I said it or that one time that I did that. I had no idea. Check it. Examine it. Look at it. God, is this okay before you? Or did I mess up? See, the whole reason Jesus included the story of the Good Samaritan in Scripture is because I bet for most of us, if we're honest, we, we would admit that we were raised most, most likely with some kind of prejudices towards something, somebody, about something. Jesus knew this. He included this in his teachings. 
He knew that there were race issues. See, the, the Jewish people are a race of people. They're not just a religion of people. They're a race. And, and he knew that people looked at one another differently and they had prejudice towards one another. And you, you probably grew up thinking that about certain people. And we have to have the courage to acknowledge it and say, you know what, maybe I am prejudiced about what you find on this introspection. Maybe I've had prejudice in my heart about this. We have to acknowledge our prejudices. How do we love our neighbor? The first thing we need to do is we need to recognize our prejudices because if we don't, then it, it might make it really, we might be excluding a whole a group of people because of our prejudice. The second thing we need to do, and, and I hope this is true for us, for all of us, is that we would seek to understand other people. We would seek to understand others. I, I do not understand the abuse and the mistreatment and the, the rejection that, that, that many have faced in our African-American community. I, I don't, I, I can't grasp it. I can see it and read about it but what it does is it helps me to enter into dialogue with people and I was and I've, I've done that the last couple of weeks I've sat down and talked with with some really amazing people who happen to be of a different race than I am and I've learned so much that I did not know I just didn't know and so I I'm starting to understand better that pain and that fear and anger and hurt and distrust that my brothers and sisters in Christ carry in their lives. And what these conversations have, have done is they've created a greater desire in me to know those of other races and ethnicities more deeply and to find out more about them and to see them where maybe prejudices stopped me before how do we love our neighbor we we need to recognize any prejudices in our life we need to seek to understand others and that comes with conversation and proximity knowing people it doesn't come from watching the news and the third thing we need to do is that we need to love those who are different from us Love those who are different from us. Love them deeply. Love them from the heart. This is what God calls us to do. And you know what? You might be thinking, well, you know, Shannon, that's a really nice story, that whole Good Samaritan story. That's a great story. But this is now, and there are protests, and there are riots, and things are burning down, and things are just, it's just crazy. Well, then I'll offer you a more modern-day version of the Good Samaritan Several years ago, a, a group of KKK, Ku Klux Klan members, held a rally in Michigan. And uh, there was a barrier set up because they knew there was going to be protesters about the KKK being there. And, and so the, the local uh, law enforcement set up a barrier to try to keep the peace and, and help that. Um, and there was a guy there, and he was wearing... Uh, a confederate flag like jacket and he had some like nazi style tattoos on his arm and he was there with the kkk people and he i don't know why but he kind of snuck in a roundabout way into the protester side 
And of course, it didn't take but a second for the protesters to recognize this guy. And someone pointed him out, and they start going, kill him, kill him, kill the Nazi. I mean, they start yelling to do this. And suddenly, everyone kind of just got around this guy and started beating him senseless. To, he is, at this point, on the ground in the fetal position, cowering, just trying to protect his body from, from this. And an 18-year-old young woman ran and threw her body over this man to protect him. And, and there it is. She was there to protest the KKK having a rally and she found herself protecting someone who probably didn't think much of her. Her name's Keisha Thomas. What in the world would cause this young woman to put herself at physical risk to protect a man who's associated with an organization that promotes hate? Who does that? Here's who does that, a follower of Jesus. And Keisha said that her faith as a Christian, was the reason for her reaction. She said, I knew what it was like to be hurt, and the many times that I've been hurt, I wished someone would have stood up for me. And so she stood up for this man. And it didn't matter what he thought about her. She protected another human being, and folks, that to me is the epitome of loving your neighbor. That's how you love. That's how you show the love of Jesus Christ. See, what, what is racism? I, I understand there's even discussion about redefining what that word means. But I'll tell you that racism is not just the presence of hatred toward someone. It is the absence of love towards someone. It's not just the presence of, I hate you. It's also the absence of showing, I accept you. I embrace you. I see you as a, as a, creation of God, loved by him. How is the world going to know that we're followers of Jesus? How, how is the world going to know if, if, if you and I, who profess to be followers of Jesus, who gather, who are going to be worshiping together as the church of God in our community, how in the world is the, are they going to know that we're followers of Jesus? We do what, what Keisha did. We do what the Samaritan did. He crossed the road. He extended an arm of love. We, we cover. If we love one another, if we love one another, this is what we do. I know that I was, 
I've spent a lot of time in, in, in prayer and just quiet the last two weeks preparing this message. I'm sure there's some watching who think I didn't say enough. And I'm most certain that there are some who think I've said way too much. I can't do anything about that. But I can show you the word of God. And in my reading it and understanding it, and in my role as pastor towards you, I share with you what I find in scripture. And I see him telling us that we should love. And folks, that's a very personal thing. I would encourage you <laughs> to turn off the news and look around the people that God has placed in your life. Acquaintances, friends, co-workers, and love them. Have conversation with them. Represent Jesus in those, in those times. If you've got prejudices, just stand before God and say, God, would you show them? Recognize them. Ask God to help you work through those. Seek to other, understand other people and then show them the love of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, may the call to love one another as Jesus taught, as he exemplified, as he showed to us, may this be true of the Porch Community Church. May this be true of each and every one of us. And God, I ask that by your Holy Spirit that you would do a healing work in our hearts. I pray that we would represent the grace and the love and the power of Jesus as you call us to love one another. And God, I pray this most especially that as we have experienced your grace, thank you for it, thank you for it, as we have experienced your grace, that somehow you would give us the grace to give to others. For those of us who have been hurt and we, 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 we're harboring this, this in us, God, that you would give us the grace to forgive. For those of us who have wronged others, who have judged others, God, would you forgive us? Would you change us from the inside out? Your word says there is no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no male or female, slave or free because of Jesus. And God, we recognize under Jesus that we are all one. Help us to show that type of love. God, would you give us opportunities to understand one another, to, with integrity, show love, the love of Jesus as you have loved us. We pray all this in the, the name of Jesus, who changes everything, everything. 
we give you our worship now, God, as we consider your word. Amen.